Because really when it boils down to it, all false teaching in one way or another right, denies either, it really denies it, or in practice denies the sufficiency of Scripture, which fundamentally states that as Christians, right, the, the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture is that as we, as we looked at several scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, 17, 2 Peter 1, I believe it's 3 through 5, but when we look at those things in other places in scripture, it tells us that the scripture, for one, we know is true. We know it's God's word given by, given, you know, the men who written it were inspired by God and spoke his words, of course, according to their own personalities, but what they wrote, we can be assured is true. And it's the only thing we can be assured is true concerning God, salvation, all his plans, his attributes. Everything he's revealed about himself is in his word. Everything else, any other actually knowledge concerning God, uh, you know, spiritual truths and everything else is actually forbidden. So all false teaching, whether it knowingly or unknowingly, really, in essence, denies the faith in one measure or another. And well, last time, I just want to remind it, uh, last week, when I talked about it, just wanted to get into, because the best way to refute false teaching is just by solid, good teaching, right? And we bought about this thing, but it's amazing, the Secret Service agents that are responsible for going out detecting counterfeit money, for instance, the way they train them to find counterfeit money and to know whether it's true or counterfeit is they don't at first spend all kinds of time training them on different counterfeits. They have them for countless hours handle, look at, handle currency, real currency. Because once you know what is true, it's much easier to spot a fake. And that's why knowing the Word of God is so important because the more you're, the more thorough your understanding of the Word of God, the easier are you to, the harder it is to be deceived, led astray through some type of false teaching. And so we noticed in the Word of God, like go to Psalm 119, it was all about absolutely his his life, you know, his, his joy, his his love for righteousness, his hatred for sin, his love for God. All of it came from reading the Word. We saw in Psalm, 9, in Psalm 19, you know, that it's true, it's righteous, it's just. You know, it converts, it cleanses. I mean, that, you know, so... And I talk about a lot, and I just talked about a lot of people over the years that I've talked to, and myself included, at one way or another sometimes seem to turn a deaf ear to false teaching. I, I've even had... Some people come up to me. I remember one, one time, came up to me several years ago. Well, you know, no true believer is ever going to fall for false teaching. And, and this person was serious. I said, well, then you're saying me and I know a lot of other people that I believe are sincere believers aren't really saved. Because I've fallen for it in the past, especially when I was, in, when I was a new convert to Christianity. And by the, by the, by the same token that a lot of us can, when we first come in and, you know, our understanding of the Lord, especially when we're first saved, right? Hey, we're coming in brand fresh. So depending on who you're listening to, and they, they can expertly 
you can get this word to say a lot. You know, I've heard various sermons throughout the years on the very same passage of Scripture, and they'll be entirely contradictory one to the other. Or this new way of Bible study, you ever heard it, they'll go, uh, so what is the read a verse or a passage? What does that mean to you? No, what did the author mean? God. What did, what did the author mean to say? What is the author actually saying? Not what does it mean to us, because he says the same thing to all of us. So that's one way to spot it. But I want to talk about, I was talking about before last week, the last time I talked, the different kinds of teachers. Now we got those kind of teachers that I talked about, we talked about the word that are known false teachings. What they, they know that what they're teaching is false. These are false brethren. You know, these are people that sneak into our midst. And this way, uh, what I want the last one, I, I talked about them, but I want to just look and let us aware that as Christians, we need to realize that there's a lot of false teachers out there that would look at first glance, even the way they appear, the way they talk, the way they smile, maybe even the way they talk about Christ, seems to be sincere. Let's just look at that for a minute. Go to 2 Corinthians 11. Because that's a lot of people in that, well, you know, maybe they're a brother, maybe they're not. And, you know, when it comes down to it, the main thing is, well, what is true? The sincerity, in the end, the sincerity doesn't matter. The sincerity matters to how God will judge them, whether it'll be by loss of rewards or condemnation because they're actually not believers but that's on them the way it affects us is the same right whether you're sincere or not right false teaching will still damage you if you believe it you know if you if you walk according to it but second corinthians chapter 11 real good verse to good place to uh i'll just start in chapter 11 Second Corinthians. These were teachers that came in that were calling themselves apostles. Well, just say, you know, teachers, and they were corrupting. These people were being corrupted by them, and they were teaching other things than Paul, who was a father unto them in the faith, and many had had been the instrument that God had used to bring many of them to the faith. You know, they they were starting to not pay attention to. They were. They were transfixed and everything upon these eloquent speakers who seemed to be, right, they were so eloquent. They seemed to be so wise and so philosophical, whatever it is. But it goes on to chapter, verse 3 in chapter 11. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now notice there's three different things that he warns them of. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. I mean, what we hear, I hear it all the time in that, that, well, someone will be spreading some kind of false teaching, some kind of heresy. There's degrees of heresy. And they speak the truth in other things. So it's like, well... I'm sure that person's a brother. That's okay. You know, it, it doesn't matter. No. So they put up with them. 
But uh, but what are they? The people there, to, the people he's talking about here. Drop, go to verse thirteen. <clears throat> For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So in other words, what he's saying there, just like, just like Satan appeared unto Eve, right, as, as offering her something good, right? right it, contradicting the very word of God to her, but doing it in such a subtle way. You know, I mean, we weren't there, right? But we get it, right? Talking to her that she was missing something, right? There could be knowledge God had not given them they could find if they do this thing. Eat whatever the fruit is. I'll joke before saying, everyone, if we all remember as kids growing up hearing about the apple, we don't know. It was a fruit. It just says it was a fruit. But the, the fact is, it was just, is that disobedience led to the fall of man, right? But he was saying them the same thing, subtly, right? Very, probably convincingly, smoothly, right? Just butter along, and then Adam into just dis, dis, disobeying God, but in a way thinking they weren't that, well, it was all right, because there's, there's more to this. God would want us to do this. It's really, in a way, no different now. But, uh, that's one example. There's a couple others I, I, I want us to look at. Go to Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 7. And I know a lot of us, especially you that have been here for any length of time, you know, I mean, all of us, especially myself, really are in about this false teaching. But false teaching throughout Scripture, it talks about what it does, right? And to believers, I am talking to those that have sincerely trusted on, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and trusted in Him for their salvation, their righteousness, and forgiveness of sins, right? The Scriptures constantly warn, they'll rob us, right? The devil's there to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob us of rewards. He wants to rob us of peace, joy, soundness of mind, everything. And, and false teaching does that. And I can guarantee you, it's not that God doesn't, you know, he can, he, he can and will heal us, bring us back. We, but we'll get hurt to varying degrees. And I know myself and my wife included, and we know many people, that have been hurt in one form or another by false teaching. Because it did to us just what scriptures constantly say it'll do. You know, and therefore I hate it. <laughs> and we should hate it. Right? We as I talked about last week, where you go in Psalms 119, through the word and through his growing, his knowledge of God, he had come to a point that he hated. Right? Utterly, found it utterly reprehensible, all falsehood. Because he knew the truth in God, as we know now, even the fuller as the truth is in Christ Jesus. But in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You should know them by their fruits. 
You know, they say, well, you know, they're by their fruits. They, you know, they're no real good. Well, A, today, how do you know most of these people? That they're out there selling all these books and all these tapes and everything else. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ever get around them. So you can't observe their life and their lifestyle. And But what he's mainly talking about here is also their teaching, right? The more and more their teaching goes away from the true word of God is one of the fruits we can look for. You know, especially if we can't observe, you know, their lifestyle. But remember, even observing... It has to be that careful discerning, observing. Because these people, are, will trans, these false teachers will transform themselves into angels of light. They'll have the smile. They'll have the Christianese down. Because they need to get in. And it's from within that they corrupt. And then uh, go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28. And, you know, keep in mind, this was, you know, I mean, getting near the end of, you know, Paul's, Paul's ministry, you know, it, it was, you know, he's, he's still had, you know, years to go, but he, he had been, you know, he'd been ministering for a lot of years. And so he called, you know, the, the elders and, and the, the bishops, the deacons, you know, and he got them together, and he starts in uh, chapter 20, verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this. You know, this, this is an absolute, right? He knows this. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So what do you know? We know they're wolves. They'll know they'll be among us. Not from the outside. Among us. It's the most destructive thing from the inside out. Right, elsewhere in scripture, you know, we're told, right, their teaching does eat as a canker, gangrene, cancer. Right, you know, cancer starts out small and it grows until it utterly destroys. Okay. Also, of your own selves, this, you know, right, again, you know, of people that we believe are brethren. Men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And if you watch them too, right? They all have their own ministries, right? They all, wow. 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now this was always on his heart. And if you look, they've been dealt with false teaching from the very beginning. The Old Testament prophets dealt with false teaching. It's a serious thing. It's always been here. But on the subjects I talked about, two of the, the biggest things today that are really infiltrating, I believe, even among, I'd call conservative, even reformed churches, is these ideas of like spiritual disciplines that are not taught in Scripture, they're foreign to Scripture. Or they use Scripture verses here and there, some more, some less. But as we looked at a lot of, if you remember, they twist them, or you can just read it in context. You can see that, uh, first of all, even the scriptures they use, their premise, they're reading it wrong, and that's not what it says. So the rest of what they're saying is wrong. Or we looked at what we talked about, something that's descriptive. You know, it happened. Someone did it, or God did it in scripture. Therefore, they make it prescriptive, like we're all to do it. 
though whatever they're teaching is not taught in all the scripture, and in most cases, it's actually contradicts teaching. We're taught to look out for that kind of teaching and avoid it. It has nothing to do with those teaching it. <clears throat> Especially, uh, like, coming into his presence. All this, this mystical idea, like coming into his presence, uh, empty your mind so you can hear him. This idea of uh, two-way prayer, just pray and then stop, empty your mind so you can hear from him. That's foreign to scripture. The scripture is all growth, knowledge, growing in the word of God. I mean, it, right, he speaks to us through his word. I mean, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Paul, as he knew he was about to be put to death, that's what he told Timothy to do, and therefore all of us to do. Even as he was waiting to be martyred, he asked when Timothy was coming to him, his most important thing he was asking remember to bring him were the parchments, right? The scriptures, so he could keep on reading the scriptures. Now, he knew the Lord, but he wanted the scriptures. Peter, he wanted to remind all the brethren on his demise, after his demise, right? Read the scriptures. Continue to grow in grace and knowledge. His, his last recorded words, right? Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we know how important, how important it is and how, right, I mean, it grieved Paul so much and he was so concerned about it, right, that for the space of three years, he warned them. So obviously he knew we have a tendency to overlook things or forget things. So for three straight years, he warned them, yeah, wolves are coming, there's false teaching, he kept warning against it. Okay, I want to say that, so the known false teachers, you know, sincerity is the issue. Now the other, basically I could cover all, the, the two groups of false teachers, those that are known false teachers, there's wolf, they're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, but then there's the other type of false teacher. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll start in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. You know, he, he is, this is talking about these teachers, right? Because you, you go to the, the start of the book, he's talking to them all. You go to chapter 1 real quick, right? These people were all going away and they were coming into different factions in the church and they were all primarily just listening or claiming, you know, one person or another to get their teachings from. Because just quickly go to chapter 1 in verse 12, right? Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, so that was a Paul sect, right? And I of Apollos. Oh, and I of Cephas, or Peter, right? Oh, oh, and then you got the real holy rollers. And, oh, no, we only listen to Christ. You know. But they, they, there were factions in the church, right? They, they were being divided, and really you read through upon it, it all had to do with pride. But they were putting too much emphasis on men instead of the message, right? The truth is in Christ. But he goes on, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's talking about people he believed were believers, 
but they were teaching that these people had had a right. They had their foundation sunk. They believed in the Son of God, and I, I believe right. They believed in the fundamentals of the Christian faith. I believe that He was the Son of God. That He lived, right? He died for our sins. He rose again, right? Because they right. He said the foundations built, right? I mean. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, all good, costly, good things, wood, hay, stubble, worthless things, every man's work should be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to dive into this after I read it and look at these, but make a few comments as we're going here. That was talked before. So in, in this in principle, he's talking to the teachers, but for all of us too, right? We're going to be judged according to the work. Remember the sermon when I was preaching in Luke 19, you know, they are given gifts, right? The Lord goes away. Upon his return, we're all called before him in that. And then we're going to give an account for what, what we've done in our Christian life, in our walk with him while we're waiting for his return. Right? So, and, right, some will be rewarded. Those who gained and those who didn't will not. But, uh, you know, but they, they'll still be saved. Yet as though by fire. And there's been a lot of, what exactly does that mean? We don't know. He already said we'll be saved, so it's not the fire of hell, you know, it's the, the lake of fire. It just says, right, it'll be burned because the wood, hay, and stubble are worthless things, right? Thrown into the fire. They'll be burned up, right? But gold, silver, precious stones don't burn in the fire because they're good things. They're good, costly things. They're eternal things. So you're not talking about purgatory yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is one of the places where a Catholic Church got purgatory. And it's so interesting. All you have to do is read it in context. And you understand what it says, right? Yet they'll be saved because you need, all you need to do is read it before and also afterwards. So what did he say? In verse 16, and he's still talking about the same subject. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Plural there. You know, yes, we are, each one of us are a temple in that way, but we're lively stones, right? But he's talking about the church, the church of Corinth he was writing to, right? That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. We're going to get into that. That destroy does not mean condemn, thrown in the lake of fire. He's talking about the same thing. And he's not talking, I believe, about degree of teaching. What he's talking, what's defiling the temple of God, what's defiling the church in Corinth, is these divisions, these schisms, and everything. Bought about first and foremost by pride, but also bought about by bad teaching, which he was, was talking about in the whole chapter. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Okay, for the wisdom of this world is foolish to the God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. So he's talking about, right, their wisdom and the pride is at the root of this whole thing. Well, the stuff they were listening to and the stuff that was causing the divisions and the schisms and everything else, right, was not godly wisdom. 
It was worldly wisdom. Why? Because, because of the, what he uses to reprove them. Right? The wisdom of this world is foolish from God, for it is written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, right, it is written, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in man, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. In other words, we're going to see that adherence when he comes back. You know, these people have been taught in the truth. They have laid the good foundation, right? They had fundamental truths of Scripture. And that, that's when, you know, the day will come when we glorify the inheritance. Thousand year reign, we, we know we're, we're safe, right? And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Look, we just wrapping those all up in, a, in an extreme Reader's Digest condensed version, right? He, he was just bringing them back to, you know, the fundamentals, right? I mean, all are yours, right? But true wisdom is found right in the scriptures, what God revealed himself. Good teaching, right? That comes the gold, the silver, the precious, the precious jewels. But uh, I want to talk because he is talking through verse 15. And I believe there are a lot of people would say, and I, I'd have to agree with it, because he's talking first and foremost about those that are teaching these things. But notice then he says, in verse 16, know ye not, so, right, the, the whole church, right, that this was written to the entire church of Corinth, know ye not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you, in each one of us, right, and individually and corporately, if any man defile the temple of God. So, and how is it defiling? What's the only thing he's talked about that leading up to this statement afterwards, right? These schisms, these divisions, which were caused because he starts bumbling. He starts the whole things, right? Be, you know, the foundation's laid. Okay, you, you, you believe in Christ, right? You got the good foundation. But be careful what you teach upon that. What's, whatever the superstructure is, you know, you laid that good foundation. Don't be careless about what you build upon it. Because the good stuff will remain, the bad stuff you'll suffer loss. Does anyone have any comments or questions? So far, feel free. <laughs> okay, I want to take a good look. When noticing out that it's interesting that I was reading when I was reading this, you know, a couple things. One, notice it says we shall suffer loss. And the thing about it, you read interesting about the parables, you know, the the, the wise, you know, the wise and foolish version, but especially the parable of the pound, the parable of the talents. These people that were given certain talents, right? We're given certain things. You could say even certain knowledge. We're given certain gifts. We're given certain talents. We're given that. And then they're called to account on that day. Okay, what did you do? And there will be that day. We'll be, suffer we'll, we'll be called to account. We've already been, we're saved. He already said that. You will be saved, right? We are secure in Christ. He, we have eternal life in Christ. We've passed from death to life. And that will not be taken away. That's secured. But we still will have to give an account of what we've done here in our Christian lives. You know, as we're waiting for Christ. And for a couple of examples of that, it's just, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll let you judge for yourself. Not, I mean, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm convinced that's a proper interpretation. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. 
2 Corinthians 5, <laughs> verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Keep in mind, this, this, these are epistles. This is written to the churches. To Again, again, his second letter to Corinth. Right? <laughs> the Corinth church had a lot of problems, right? It's like a lot of us, right? No church is perfect. You know, you're looking for that perfect church, Beware, once you find it, don't join because you'll ruin it. Right? Because <laughs> none of us are perfect. Also turn to Revelation 22. It has, you know, some uh, pretty good importance as it comes to uh, some of the last words that were ever given directly from our Lord. <clears throat> and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. <laughs> you can just hate that, but you know, it's obviously we will stand before him. You know, just like it is clearly taught in Corinthians there that we will have to, will be taken into account for what we did. You know, the parables teach that too, right? The ones given gifts, they increased. Some more, some less, some more fruit, but also Paul's teaching and what you build upon will directly affect what kind of fruit you're producing. You know, what what kind of work, you know, is it is it gold? Is it silver? Is it, you know, precious gems? Because that's what we want to produce and bear for our Lord. Or is it wood, hay, stubble? You know, things that are just burned up, things that that just and will suffer loss because of them, in order to receive our full reward. And, you know, of course, I'm always one, too. We don't work for rewards. You know, our, our, our work and our heart should be for all the Lord's done for us already. You know, let us serve him and walk our treasures to get to know him. But the more we know and the more we grow in our knowledge and the more we walk with him, right, we will be bearing that fruit because we'll be in the vine and we're bearing that fruit. Howard, can I just say that? Yeah, even, go ahead. Even if you go to Ephesians, see in the text there where he says, you know, we're saved by grace. But there is works that God has ordained for us to do. Mm -hmm. So even the works that we do have been ordained by God himself. And so what you're really describing here this morning is a big distinction between what we would call monergistic theology, right? Because once you're saved by God, you're saved. And uh, your works then are not judged on your salvation. It's judged on what you've done with the works that God created you in Christ Jesus so that's what we're going to be judging. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real good point. It's true, right? He's ordained works for us. And we know God control, controls all things, but we have to understand there's this balance. Are we, how exactly does he do that? I can't tell you. I can tell you everything Scripture says about it, or at least that I've come to know and believe in and guarantee you. Scripture makes it clear he controls everything, and he works everything out. It also clears. That he's given us this, this liberty in our freedom in Christ. But he teaches us what we always call it having good balance, right? Be careful with that liberty. You know, not only we treat others, but also we're responsible for 
in the most real sense, we're responsible for our spiritual growth, our deficit in such. You know, Howard, and, can I say one more? Not yeah, stuff, but you, yeah. you just think of it from a practical perspective in your own life, right? So I remember one time as an example, uh, this was a long time ago before Brother Keith started up the, his, his glorious operation there, but I was in Dan's supermarket one time, and I'm walking down, the, I've got my cart, and I'm going down the aisle, and I look up and I see this bearded woman coming at me, and I go by it, and, and I'm thinking, that's a, that's a man dressed up like a woman. And sure, it was one of the, one of the first, uh, how should we say, cross-dressers that I've actually seen in person. And it was interesting because I, the thought in my mind was, I gotta go, I just gotta talk about Christ quickly to, to him. And I, I fought it, literally. And by the time I was done shopping, I was shaking. The Spirit of God had put such a unction upon me to do it. Well, by the time I went to find him, unfortunately, he was gone. But you see there again, that's something, that's an unction from God. Just like when you think of what Brother Lee's been doing and some of these things that that's a real practical example of how God has given us works to do, and he will give you the unction and drive you to do that. It's, it's an amazing thing. To be yeah, and what I mean all the folks that aren't here, though, is, right, be, you know, remember, I said, be careful what we're being taught, right? Because yeah. it, it'll directly, directly affects our relationship with God. And regardless of what they teach, our relationship is not so we can feel him in some more real sense. Because that could just be our imagination. Right? We can't know if it's him. We can't know if something's true if it's outside of scripture. We just cannot. No one can say that. And all this, all these things are just one form or another of Gnosticism. They dealt with in the first century. Uh, is it Irenaeus? Irenaeus? Irenaeus. Irenaeus. What is it? Irenaeus. 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 Wrote a great work. I'd recommend if you ever have time to read this against heresies. It's a read. you got to commit to it. But it's so interesting. This guy even starts out the preface, right? And he did it, right? Because of his reverence for God and his word. And for his concern. Because of the way they were trying to sow confusion into the body of Christ. Yeah. I'm just going to say concerning... You know, experience that we're just talking about all these experiences. I think the judgment that we have to make is, is that if your experience lines up with scripture, yep. then you understand it was the Lord working. So if someone's being regenerated, that's a, that's a spiritual experience that they go through, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that lines up with what scripture says concerning regeneration, what will happen, then you can know it is the work of God or conviction or um, at times I think there is a a work of the Spirit that, that shows us maybe certain things that we're doing that's wrong that we didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And then we examine Scripture concerning that subject and we see, yes, that's the case. So those are evidences that you can know that it, the experience you're having is the Lord working in you because that experience is in Scripture and it lines up with Scripture. But when it doesn't line up with Scripture, that's when you can know it is your imagination or, or something else. Yeah. Just, some, just, just a test is what I'm saying concerning those things. Because a lot of yeah. people have experiences, and it leads them to things that are unbiblical. And then you can know it wasn't from God. Well, it's something like that, but another thing I'll tell you about, almost all false teaching I've ever experienced, guaranteed one thing I'll start sowing you is pride. If you're being taught by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, what it'll be producing in you is more and more humility. If what you're being taught, regardless of whether they say it's from God or not, 
You know, they can twist scriptures. They twist scripture all the time. It'll lead you more and more away from humility and into pride. Search the scriptures. And just like in here, you know, a lot of time I don't want to jump in there right now, but you read through 1 Corinthians. What, what was the root? The root of their problem? Pride. And that's why they rebuke him here, rebukes him starting throughout chapter 1 of their pride also. And throughout scripture, he rebukes pride. And the world loves pride. It glorifies pride. Right? Watch almost every commercial you see. Everything. Pride, 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 pride. God hates pride. He'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. He's talking about pride. But anyway, yeah. But I want to focus on one thing. Uh, they have this thing that we got to know. If any man, verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? Okay. Now, when you read that, a lot of commentaries will say, well, he must be going on to grossly heretical things I was going to talk about, so now he'll destroy you. Okay. There's overarching two main words used for destroy in Scripture. Now, this word destroy is the only place this word comes up for when speaking of destroying. Or destruction. Now, I might slaughter this because I don't really know. I'm assuming it's the TH that's silent. But this word destroy is from the word, from the Greek word thiero. Anyway, and here's what it means. To pine or waste. To pine or waste away. To shrivel or wither. <clears throat> that's its primary meaning. And that's what it gets from, too, when you check out the root word on it. It doesn't mean the destruction that is mainly used, like when he talks about destroying, uh, destroying the, you know, the man of lawlessness at the brightness of his coming, for instance, right? The other word, destroy, that almost all commentators have found it so interesting, they, they, they take it as the same word, destroy. Well, <clears throat> the other word destroy, that the one that's mainly used throughout scripture, is katargeo. Katargeo. And here's what it means. To render entirely useless. To abolish. To cease. To cumber. In other words, you know, encumber, make, you know, make real hard. To make of no effect. To destroy. To put away, to put down, to bring to naught, to vanish away, to make void. So he's not saying, right, that right these people that these people are going to be destroyed, made void, right, uh, vanish away, be done away with. They're going to pine or waste, or shrivel or wither. Does that conclude with uh, other places of Scripture? Well, go on to chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians. You know, first of all, remember, up ahead he was talking about, now, when we, you know, stand before Christ on the day of judgment, right in our works and our teaching, our beliefs, everything we built upon our, you know, the beginning foundation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He's Lord, that He died for our sins, right? But what we built upon that, 
will be judged and worthless things will be judged and the loser of it will still be saved. Then he talks about things, these teachings, right, that defile the word of God, right? It, he'll, I mean, it could lead to destruction in the sense to pine away, right? To shrivel or wither. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, another thing that he, you know, really rebuked them strongly for was what they were doing and the way they were having the Lord's Supper. They were coming together for the memorial of the Lord's death for our sins. For, you know, they were coming together to, to, for the memorial to remember Christ's death for their sins. Now, obviously, when we read that, right, and we've talked about this before, you can see that they were taking it, right? They, they, there were people that were getting drunk. I mean, just, you know, being gluttonous. They, they you know, other, uh, other brethren would show up. There'd be, you know, who, who were too poor to bring anything themselves, so they didn't have anything to eat or drink. They didn't have anything. They couldn't enjoy themselves. They, they, you know, they, they couldn't sit and be blessed in the meal. It wasn't treated rightly at all. They weren't, they weren't, you know, they weren't being kind or loving to their brethren, and they were almost coming at it with a party spirit. So I rebuked them. Starting, uh, I'll just start in verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, keep in mind these were believers he was writing to. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, and we are all unworthy, he doesn't mean... You know, if you're, if you're stumbling or whatever, you come to a point where you'll be worthy as far as the world looks at worthiness, you know, sinless. He's not talking about that. Unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And I quickly want to say, don't be scared by that word damnation. It doesn't mean condemnation. It doesn't mean damn for all eternity in hellfire. It has several meanings. But I believe, like, uh, if you had a, one of the newer translations, in most of them it's rendered, you know, judged. And that, from reading in its context and knowing everything else about Scripture, we can know that's what he means. Because he goes on. He drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, some will say they just meant because of the way they were treating their fellow brethren, that's what he meant the Lord's body. I believe what he means, because right before that he said, right, drink of that bread, right, you will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Right? They just, they were not taking it serious, right? This is a serious thing, a loving thing, a thing to be done in all honor under the Lord Jesus Christ. And his great sacrifice to us. And his great work. And they were obviously just basically having a party. And they were, they were also mistreating a lot of their fellow brethren. I think you, you could really say fellow because by not loving our brethren, right, we're hating them. So yeah, so either way you want to read it. But obviously they, they weren't discerning the Lord's body, right? Because he also died, right, to make all his people one. So we treat each other with kindness. But verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Hmm, tighter waste away. Hmm, shrivel or wither. 
Doesn't say where it is, just, you know, it's just interesting, right? So he's talking about, right, those that were doing, going at this wrongly, some of them had died. Others of them had gotten sick or were sick. For if we would, verse 31, that's why I said the right word to take that damnation in verse 29, is judge. But judge in just the way he said back in 1 Corinthians 3, which we talked about, just like, you know, and, and in 2 Corinthians, and when we read in Revelation, right, we'll give an account of, right? We won't, he's not talking about losing salvation. He's talking about just standing with the Lord. He'll give an account for, for your life, for what you've done with, you, you know, with your, you know, with with your knowledge of the Lord, what, what you've done in your walk. Okay. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You know, we, we, we don't need to, you know, be judged by the Lord, be chastened by the Lord. If we first are judging and examining ourselves and repenting ourselves before we come to the Lord's table. Well, he's saying, you know, so that we're coming rightly with the right attitude. That's what he means, worthily, that you're correctly understanding. You know, it's all of Christ. That he did it all. We don't make ourselves, you know, perfect before him. We're, we've been given the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, we're not working for it. But when we are judged, so, you know, we, we're not judging ourselves, we're not examining ourselves, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world, right? So because, right, Roman, Romans 8, right? Therefore, right, we have passed, you know, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Right? So wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, so wait, so they all get there, so they can all partake. And if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, that you come not together in the condemnation. And the rest will, and again, judgment. And the rest will I set in order when I come. You know, so, so we see there an example of the construction that he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 3. You know, the defiling. And the defiling he's talking about in there, it was coming about because there were teachings, there were things they were believing that were worthless. They're building, right, not truths upon the Word of God. So uh, with that, we're, we're against our time, but any last comments or questions about that? Well, great. I, I guess you guys are so, you just got her, you know, I mean, uh, but... You know, it's just saying, you know, it is important to remember when, when it comes out of this, just remember, what our learning is important. The Word of God has given us all we need, right? The more and more we grow on that, that's how we grow in our relationship with Christ. Not through all these mystical things or New Age things or Eastern things, because that's all they are. Worldly wisdom, body and Christian eased up. And we wear them. And you can be assured that reading this book and being a doer of what you read out of this book, you're being pleasing. God is pleased with you. And you're growing rightly. Okay, with that, Dean, uh, please close us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this study. 
as we have looked at many important topics. We know in your word you warn against false teaching, false teachers, so often. And it is good for us to be reminded of these things, to be watchful, and to be balanced. Lord God, please help us to do that. Give us sound minds, give us consistency in our walk, and Lord, as we've learned, may your word be our guide in everything. And we pray, keep us from ever going astray into that which is false. Keep us sound in the word, we pray. We pray that in this, that you would be glorified. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Get an automatic.